All right, good morning, good morning. How are you? It's like four of you paying attention, so good. So good that I have command of the room this morning. <laughs> so good to see all of you, good morning, welcome. Those of you watching online, glad you've joined us. Uh, you know, we have about 15 to 20,000 people watching online right now. Can we just say thanks, welcome them and say hi to them? A lot of them, and I'm not telling you that to tell you a big number to impress you, I'm telling you that there's a lot of people that around the country and locally that just don't feel safe right now, but they're, they're connected here with us right now. They're in the room with us, and I want you to be aware of that and pray for them. Pray for their safety, their strength, their healing, so we're glad you've joined us online. Uh, I was not feeling great last Sunday, or at least that's what Daniel told you. And I want to tell you the truth, though. Actually, last weekend, I was not here because I was running the Pikes Peak Ascent Marathon. You don't, I cannot believe that you don't believe that. Actually, I, I was getting out of my truck and I pulled the hamstring, so I never made it to the starting line. Okay, that's the bad joke, all right. And actually, I wasn't feeling great, and you know, we are living in a COVID world, so I woke up on Saturday not feeling good, had a little fever, and I've told my staff, don't come to work if you're not feeling great. So I was not feeling great, so I didn't come to work. So that's the way it happened. So I did test uh, for COVID, I, I was negative, which is a good thing, I'm told. And uh, so that's good. So I'm feeling strong and good today. Uh, so anyway, so I want to invite you to something Wednesday night. This is a special night. I know you, a lot of you come to our first Wednesday service, and this Wednesday night is our first Wednesday service. But it's not just any old first Wednesday service. It is the live recording for our worship team for 11 original songs, many of them that we sang this morning. These songs have been birthed out of uh, travail and prayer and intercession and quite honestly, a tremendous amount of spiritual warfare. Let me explain this to you. Worship changes things. Worship has the ability to change culture and atmosphere and attitudes. Worship has this prophetic power when it goes forth to literally confront the, the forces of darkness and to com combat the very thing that's corrupting the world. It's that powerful. And so when you release new songs, it's a tremendous spiritual battle to release a song that's gonna be sung all over the world. And a lot of these songs that you're hearing are gonna be broadcast all over the world. They're gonna go into dark places and bring light. Now, every weekend when you show up at New Life, our team is ready. They do not they do not mail it in. They are prayed up, they're ready, and they, are, they call us into an environment of worship. But the tables are going to turn on Wednesday night. I want you to show up and empower them to birth these new songs. That's how important it is for you to be here Wednesday night. I want you to show up in mass, ready to support, to uh, pray, pray this week for these songs to be released. I want you to show up in mass with me on Wednesday night, fill this room up and come from, from minute one, second one, ready to worship. Is that all right with you? Is that a good way to, I can't tell you any stronger than that. All right, turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter two. One of the books written by Paul, Galatia, is a province found in modern-day Turkey. Paul, in his first missionary journey, found himself in this place. And when he preached the good news of the gospel of Jesus, many people believed and were saved. And when he left Galatia, a church had already been birthed and formed, but it got easily corrupted. And when you read Galatians 1, 2, and 3 especially, you feel this anxiety, you feel this passion stirring out of Paul as he is trying to correct a doctrine that has crept into the church that's already contaminating the gospel of grace. So let me ask you a couple of questions because Paul is going to address this in this message today, but a couple of questions that I want you to think about for your own life, where you are in your own home with your own friends and family. 
Here's the first question. What is the most miraculous event in your life? What, if, you were to, if I were to sit down with you and I said, hey, tell me a time where you are absolutely convinced that the goodness, the divinity, the power of God somehow invaded your natural space and changed something. To me, that's the definition of a miracle when the power of God comes into our natural space and something is changed, that's a miracle. What's the most miraculous event that's ever happened in your life? Here's a second way of asking the same question. Has your life ever been completely changed? I mean, you were going one way and you ended up going another way. Has your life ever been completely changed and turned upside down for the good? Have you ever been rescued? Have you ever, been a, have you ever found God so involved in your life that you felt like at the end you had been rescued from something? All right, this is Paul now talking in Galatians chapter two, describing to us, if I were to ask Paul this question, this is how Paul would have answered the question. Galatians chapter two, verse 20, he would have said, Pastor Brady, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ is the one that now lives in me. And the life I now live, the life I live today, I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now to understand why Paul is using such graphic language, I mean, this is, this is metaphorical, it's, it's, it's powerful, it's a lot of imagery here that Paul is using, but this is the best way for Paul to describe what happened in his conversion experience. Now, if you want some additional reading, go back and read this week, Acts chapter nine, because Paul was a scholar. Paul was a, a Hebrew scholar, a Jewish leader, a, a, a scholar, and he was the one that was adamantly, vehemently defending the Jewish faith against the Christians, and he had become, quite honestly, a religious terrorist. Now, I want you to think about today, if you were living in Afghanistan and you were one of the handful of Christians living in Afghanistan today. That's not a good place to be right now if you're a Christian, right? Imagine if someone came to your door and said that the most notorious Afghan warlord in your neighborhood, the one who was arresting Christians, the one who in some cases had put Christians to death, that Afghan warlord had had a conversion experience on, he was traveling on the road to Damascus, which is in Syria, but, but somehow something happened in his life and now he's a fully devoted follower of Christ and he needs somebody to help him follow Jesus better. And the Lord comes to you and says, I want you to go to his house because he's ready now to be discipled. That's what happened in Acts chapter nine to a guy named Ananias. Ananias is minding his own business. And God through a vision says, hey, the religious terrorist who has put many of your loved ones in jail and caused some of them to be put to death is now ready to follow me, go to his house and baptize him in water. And he sure enough, and I think Ananias is one of the unsung heroes of the New Testament because he does it. He goes to the door, takes his own life into his own hands, knocks on the door. Paul is there, he's blind, he can't see. And the Bible says that when Ananias began to talk to him and talk to him about baptism and actually put him in the waters of baptism, something like scales fell off of Paul's eyes. His name went from Saul to Paul. And all of a sudden, Paul now full of the Holy Spirit becomes this robust, profound messenger of Jesus. 
That's the radical conversion experience that Paul had had. And listen, here's what is, is in my experience, people who have understood their deep need for grace are the ones who most vehemently defend grace. And Paul realized how broken he was, how dark he was, how, how much he needed grace. And then once he received the grace of the Lord, that's why in the book of Galatians, he is so defending the work of grace that he had discovered. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I am the one that no longer lives. I am that, I've been crucified. In other words, the worst thing that can happen to me has already happened to Jesus. That's what it means to be crucified with Christ. Listen, all the moms, the dads in the rooms, all the students in the rooms, on your worst day, on the day when you feel so overwhelmed with darkness and you wonder if you'll ever walk into the light again, I want you to say, I've already been crucified with Christ. In other words, the worst thing imaginable has already happened with Christ. He has brought me into that life and because I've been crucified with Christ, I've also already participated in his resurrection. Therefore, the darkest, worst day of your life does not define you. Are you hearing this today? And some of you are gonna need to remember this for days ahead. Some of you have already had those days behind you. And some of you are gonna have those days in front of you. And on that day, remind yourself that the worst thing imaginable does not define you. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. All right, so I was trying to think of an image, a picture, that could help you understand this better. And I thought of, of tandem uh, skydiving. Have you ever seen this? This is the, the greatest job imaginable. Somebody who does this every single day. So I have this photo here and I want you to notice the guy. <clears throat> now the guy, this woman has met this guy about 20 minutes ago in the lobby of some skydiving school out by Canyon City. She's known him 30 minutes. But for some reason, she's willing to attach her body to a guy she just met. I just thought about this when I looked at this picture. This is the guy you wanna tip in advance. (laughs) You don't wanna wait for good service to tip him. You wanna tip him in hopes of good service. So think about this, she just met this guy. They get in a plane and go to 5,000 feet. (laughs) The, The plane is in perfectly good condition. And they make a decision to jump out of the plane and she puts her life in the hands of someone who knows what he's doing. I love this, that she's just enjoying it. The guy behind her is all business because he understands the gravity of the moment, no pun intended. I just thought of that, that was pretty good by the way, that was really good. He understands the gravity of the moment. I just really thought of that, I did not prepare that. I'll write that down later. But she, she now is enjoying life at the expense of someone else's expertise and goodness and grace and strength. And listen, this is what it means to enter into a life of salvation with Jesus. It's Jesus now taking over. Notice that she's not facing him, wrestling with him over controls. She's not reaching and pulling for cords. Now I would be reaching and pulling for cords. I promise you the control freak in me would be going nuts right now. But for whatever reason, she's allowed to let her hands go to the side. She's enjoying the free fall, knowing that there is a rescue at the end, knowing that there's hope at the end of this journey, noting that they're going to arrive safely. 
I wonder how many of us are living with such grace right now that we're really enjoying the ride knowing that the end has already been decided. See, this is what this is a powerful moment. The end has already been decided here. They're gonna to float to the ground in a big celebration. They're gonna take photos at the end. But in the meantime, are you enjoying the ride to the ground? Are you enjoying the trip right now? And those of us who have discovered grace have learned how to enjoy life in the middle of dangerous circumstances. This is what grace does for us. It allows for us to join, enjoy life to enjoy the fullness of life, even when there's danger all around us. I mean, that's the most dangerous thing you can do is jump out of an airplane. But she's learned to accept grace. And this is what Paul is saying. Listen, I've been crucified into Christ. Now, I wonder how many of you have asked this question. I've, I've asked this question. Why was, why did Paul use crucifixion language? Because that's really honestly, when we talk about the crucifixion, that's the most graphic of all things. That was the most, that's a horrible death it's a graphic death. It's ugly to talk about. There's nothing good about a crucifixion. Why was that so necessary? It's a good question for those of you here today, maybe seeking Jesus for the first time. Let me answer the question. Christ was crucified because the plight of humankind was deeper and darker than anyone had imagined. Let me just phrase it better. We had messed this up so badly that the only thing that could rescue us was his crucifixion and resurrection. It was, we had messed it up. Our sin had messed us up. And because of that, Jesus had to come and do something graphic. He had to do something remarkable in order to rescue us from something that we had, we had painted ourselves in a corner. We are the ones who brought this punishment upon ourselves. And Jesus had to go to extravagant measures to rescue us. And this is Paul is reminded of his own life. I mean, Paul was present when Stephen was stoned to death by rocks. Paul was there. He understood the depravity of his sin. He understood the darkness of his soul. And he realized only the crucifixion, only the resurrection could save me. But he also is using baptism language here, water language. And we sang this beautiful new song that was written here at New Life about baptism. And, and so look at Romans chapter six. Why is that critical to this story? Because Paul writes later to the church in Rome, he says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized, who were brought under the water into Christ's death were baptized into his death. In other words, when you are baptized, you're participating in something. He says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order just as Christ was raised from the death through the glory of the Father, we too, may live a new life. Paul is saying, listen, something happened to me. Remember, Paul was alone in a room, blinded by the light of the Lord, could not see. He knew something had happened. He knew that Jesus, he knew that Christ had come to him. God had spoken to him. But when Ananias, another disciple, showed up at the front door, it was Ananias' obedience to put him into the waters of baptism that allowed for those scales to eventually fall off his eyes. Paul's saying, listen, I, I believed, I chose to believe, but it was not the finished work. I believed for salvation, but baptism brought me into something. When Ananias dipped me in a little shallow pool of water, when I came up out of that, I realized I had just participated with Christ in something remarkable, something miraculous. So listen to this. He said, I want you to write this down because some of you are debating and deciding about whether or not to be water baptized again. And I want to encourage you in the next few weeks when we baptize to participate in it because we get to participate in his death. 
And when we are entered into the waters of baptism, we get to participate in his death and his resurrection. So we too may live this new life. Then he says something else. I want you to go to the next thing he says. He says, not only am I crucified with Christ, he says, but Christ lives in me. Skip ahead to that. It says, Paul says something about Christ living in me. Now, what was Paul saying? Paul says, I've been, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Something about Jesus living in him. What was he talking about? He was talking about the resurrection. In Romans chapter eight, he goes into great detail about this. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is also living in you, if the same Holy Spirit who went into the tomb of Jesus is now living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Now I wanna pause here just for a moment. I realize there are a lot of you that come from different uh, backgrounds. Maybe you were raised in certain spiritual religious traditions. Maybe you're brand new to Jesus. Maybe you have just discovered the person of Jesus. Maybe you're suspicious of church and Jesus, but maybe you're curious and that's why you're here today. But there, I, I've found that there's this great confusion about how to follow Jesus. I, I've discovered among people that there's this, this misunderstanding about what allows us to even follow Jesus. In fact, some of you are trying to follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And you cannot follow and serve Jesus without the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you believe that there's a Trinity, a Father, a Son, the Holy Spirit, you can't a la carte choose which of the three you want. You get all of them together. In fact, Jesus said, don't even try to follow me without the Holy Spirit. Some of you have said yes to following Jesus, but you've never invited the work of the Spirit into your life. Maybe you've been told that the Spirit's not moving on the earth today. Or maybe you think the works of the Spirit no longer apply to us today. Whatever your beliefs, let me just say something. You cannot follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. We are designed to be a people whose eyes are fixed on the goodness of the follower, a father following in the steps of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, it's better for you if I physically leave the earth and go to heaven because I'm going to send someone greater than me to help you. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, and the Holy Spirit is going to do several things in your life. The Holy Spirit's gonna remind you of everything I've said to you. He's gonna remind you of what I've taught you and he's gonna empower you to follow me. And I'm discovering that a reason a lot of people are leading very boring spiritual lives is because they're not continually inviting the work of the Holy Spirit into their life. I'll be 55 in January. I know that's shocking to many of you. I know you were thinking I was much younger than that, but I'll be 55 or maybe much older. I don't know how you were thinking. But I'll turn 55 in January, and I'm on a mission to make sure that I live every second of however how many days, weeks, months, years, or decades that are ahead of me, I'm going to live that life full of the Holy Spirit. I am not going to attempt to follow Jesus at this point in my life without the Holy Spirit. I've discovered a long time ago, I cannot follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to make it a point for the rest of my days to follow Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus 
from a borrowed tomb is now right here with us. If you're looking for, for something to make sense of this world, if you're looking for something to make sense of your life, listen, the same Holy Spirit that did the most miraculous event in history, the resurrection of Jesus is by far the most miraculous event in history. It changed the world. Billions of people have believed and followed him, not because of what he taught, but because of his resurrection. His resurrection changed everything. There's been lots of good teachers on the planet. There's been lots of wise people on the planet. There's been lots of people who said good things on the planet, but there's only been one who went to a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, just as he had promised by the power of the spirit came back and appeared to 500 people and ascended at the right hand of the father. That's why we worship him because he overcame death, hell and the grave. Jesus overcame the darkest day of your life was not the darkest day on, on the earth. The darkest day on the earth was the day Jesus died. Three days later, he said, listen, I have overcome the world's darkest day so that we can overcome our darkest day. And that's why Paul says, listen, that's why Paul says, I've been crucified with him. This, dark, this day does not define me. So I'm gonna show you, so I'm gonna take about five minutes here and show you something that maybe you've never seen. From the opening passages of scripture, the Holy Spirit is identified as the person of the Godhead most responsible for bringing life to places, peoples, and situations, listen to this, that are formless, dark, and empty. Leave that up for a moment. I want you to really catch this. From the opening passages of scripture, it is the Holy Spirit most responsible for bringing life to places, people, and situations that are formless, empty, and dark. Now I want you to leave that up because I want to explain this. Every location and situation on the planet today that is formless, empty, and dark is a place that has rejected the Holy Spirit. L listen, you want to pay attention if you want to understand spiritual things and spiritual matters. Any place you look on the earth that is formless, dark, and empty today, the places that are causing the most pain, the most devastation, the most turmoil are places that are void of the work of the Holy Spirit. However, the places that are full of hope and joy and peace and strength are the places that have welcomed the work of the Holy Spirit. This is not by accident. In other words, you can't have life. You can't have joy. You cannot have peace unless you have welcomed the Holy Spirit. Some of us are trying to get to a good end without the right means. You want, if, you, if there's a place in your life today that is formless and empty and dark, it's probably because that's a place in your life where you've not welcomed the work of the Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes to any place of our life, it will bring life. It can bring death, it brings life. So what's dead right now? What's formless right now? That's a place where you should welcome the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is how I respond to political things or social unrest, things that aggravate people on social media. And I believe, listen, it's okay to be aggravated by it, but listen, like a good doctor, make sure you're prescribing the right medicine for its cure. Some of us, you, you, you're, I'm probably concerned about the same things you are. I just have a different prescription. And mine sounds too, too easy or maybe too complicated. When I see racial unrest, when I see social things that are disturbing me, when I, I pray the life of the Spirit over it. The first response I have, 
Father in heaven, would you send the Holy Spirit into that environment? When I saw the Kabul airport, by the way, we have soldiers from New Life Church in the Kabul airport right now. You know what I pray? We have young men right now that are in the Kabul airport that call New Life Church home. And I can't tell you their names, but I can tell you they're there. You know what I've been doing all week? Father in heaven, would you send the Holy Spirit to them? Would you surround them with the life, the goodness, the joy, the power of the Holy Spirit? I can't physically be there to hug their neck. I can't physically be there to encourage them. I can't physically be there to protect them. But Father in heaven, would you send the Holy Spirit to them? That's how you pray. That's the only way to pray. So why not pray that way? Pastor Brady, why are you so excited about this? Because you missed last week and you got all this worked up inside of you. Why are you so excited? <laughs> because I so believe it. I'm going to show you the second verse of the Bible. Genesis 1, verse 2, the second verse of the whole Bible. Now the earth was formless and empty and dark. I want you to think around the world right now, what is formless and empty and dark? Just name it, whatever you come up with. And it was over the surface of the deep. And where, what was happening in the second verse of the Bible, the Spirit of God was hovering over those very places. Listen, the Holy Spirit's not afraid of your dark places. The Holy Spirit is not afraid of your empty places. The Holy Spirit's been doing this for a really long time. The Holy Spirit is an expert at filling places that are empty, dark, and deep. The Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. That's why I don't trust the expertise of people as much as I trust the expertise of the Holy Spirit to fix the, our greatest ills right now. Because the Holy Spirit's been doing this from the very beginning. Okay, skip ahead to Genesis 2, verse 7, when the entire human race was about to be breathed into existence. And he says, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. I, I, whenever you feel a bit arrogant or self-confident, just remember you started as a big pile of dirt. I, I remind myself oftentimes when I just feeling really, you know, sure about myself, maybe a little cocky, you know, Brady, you started as a pile of dirt and from, and I'll probably end up as a pile of dirt from dust to dust is how we end up. So the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and he breathed into the nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living being. The most, the, the, most, the most dead thing you can imagine is a pile of dust. Nothing living there. And God breathes into the thing that's most dead and brings it into the thing that is most alive. Later on, Jesus appears and he's standing in front of his disciples. He's about to leave them to go into eternity. He's about to go back to heaven. And he looks at his disciples and he says to them, go into the world, make, make disciples. I'm charging you now to go be my, my missionaries, my representatives on the earth. But before he does that, he says, and with that, John chapter 20, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus never meant for you to follow him without the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus himself says, don't try this without the Spirit. Don't try this without the Spirit. You're going to fail. You're not going to make it. But if you will receive the Holy Spirit, greater things than these you will do. Jesus said, you're going to do greater things than I did if you'll receive the Holy Spirit. The great missionary Albert Schweitzer, I was, I was just thinking about this this week, says the tragedy of life is what dies inside a man while he lives. 
And I was sobered by that this week as an older man now, middle-aged man. Not old man, but I'm middle-aged. Halftime. <clears throat> not third quarter. Halftime. And I just made up my mind this week that I'm going to be a man of the Spirit. I'm not going to let the promises of God that He's given me die inside of me for my own neglect. Listen, God's promises don't die because of His neglect. God's promises die because of our neglect. And I am breathing back into life the very thing, the reason the Lord called me into pastoral ministry is to do the very thing that I'm doing now is to call people into a life of the Spirit, to call people into being disciples of Jesus, to help people understand the love of the Father and to breathe life, to speak life over them that they may be filled with the Spirit. And so I want you to stand this morning and we're going to pray and we're gonna ask the Lord to come and fill us. We are a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led church. We are a church that's determined to follow Jesus, but we're not going to do it without the Holy Spirit. We are a church that is completely committed to following Jesus as best we can. But we're also a church that welcomes the work of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never done this, okay? And I'm not trying to force you into something. Don't feel guilty if you don't. But I'm just gonna maybe for the first time ask you just to lift your hands before the Lord and just welcome him. Maybe you have prayed that prayer, Father in heaven, I receive Jesus. I believe Christ is my savior. He's the Lord. He's the one that has saved me. He's the one that has redeemed me. But now I want you to pray a prayer to the Holy Spirit. It's a simple prayer that I prayed early this morning when I woke up. I prayed, come Holy Spirit. I receive you. I declare my need for you. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a power and he's a presence. And I need him. And as much as I understand the love of the Father, as much as I am trying to follow Jesus, I cannot understand the love of the Father and I cannot follow Jesus unless I welcome all of the Trinity into my life. And so now I welcome the Holy Spirit. Well, come Holy Spirit. Would you do your deep work in us? So this morning when life is empty and superficial or dark, it's the Holy Spirit that has the power to give us life. So would you just right now, if there's a place in your life in your marriage, maybe you're, you have a child that has gone astray. Maybe there's something going on in your physical body. Maybe there's just something out in the world right now that is, it just feels empty, it feels superficial, and it feels dark. Would you just pray the Holy Spirit over that part of your life right now? Holy Spirit, all around us we see a world that's empty. All around us we see a world that's superficial. All around us, we see a world that is dark. So we say to you now, come Holy Spirit. Come to us, Holy Spirit. And would you cause us as your people to abide with you, to stay close to you, to draw near to you. New Life Church, this is the moment in our world history where Christ's followers need to come near to God right now. This is when the Holy Spirit's calling you closer to Him right now. And one of the songs that we're gonna record on Wednesday night is a song called Abide. It's a song written right here. It's one of the new songs that we are recording, but it's a prophetic song to us right now. I want you to sing this as a prayer over your life, a prayer over your home, a prayer over your children. And in just a few minutes, we're gonna to come to the table of the Lord. Let's sing this together.
invite you to go ahead and take a moment and prepare yourself to receive the elements. It's impossible to follow Jesus without the work of the Holy Spirit. So that's why we've asked him to fill us today and that he would remind us of the way of Jesus. And the way of Jesus is right here. This is a reminder of what he did. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. We eat together.
Then after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. We drink together. And after they had eaten of the bread and drank of the cup, scripture tells us that they sang a song. So let it be today that our remembrance leads us to praise. Let's start lifting our voice and let's sing to the Lord. My song in the night. word from the Lord today. And uh, hey, if you're new to New Life and you're our guest today, we would love it. If you would exit through these doors, you'll see that corner over there and there's some staff, some volunteers. We'd love to meet you, answer any questions that you have. Also want to invite all our leaders in the room to go ahead and come forward now. I'm asking them to come forward because if there's anything you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. We'd love to pray with you. So please don't leave without giving us that opportunity here today. Uh, just a reminder, this Wednesday, as Pastor Brady mentioned, we are recording this album. We're gathering as God's people. We're gonna fill this room and we're gonna lift high the name of Jesus together. So you're not gonna wanna miss it. 6.30, get here early. Uh, make sure you get a good seat. Um, we're gonna pack this place out. So we will see you guys on Wednesday night. But before we leave, would you just open your hands as I bless us as we get ready to leave. May it be that as we leave today, we would walk in the knowledge that we are filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. That we'd be walking in the power of the Holy Spirit wherever we go into our homes, into our families, our workplace, our school, wherever it is that the Lord leads, that with us would come the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in the grace and peace of Jesus Christ. We'll see you next week.